Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that um, the female half, or possibly slightly more than half, of our congregation um, this morning will um, forgive me for asking a question that is directed um, to the guys out there and, um, by definition, can't be asked to you. How many of you gentlemen were in either the Cubs or the Scouts or the Venture Scouts? Maybe some of you still in the Venture Scouts, I don't know. A few, a, a good number, rather, rather more than in the first service, I have to say. Excellent stuff. Well, um, I hope that um, you will all forgive me uh, a tiny bit this morning uh, for reminiscing slightly, uh, because I spent um, quite a lot of my time as I grew up in the uh, Scouts and the Venture Scouts, and I loved lots of what my friends and I um, did in those groups. The highlight uh, of the scouting year was always summer camp. 
um, always, uh, or so it seemed, um, in a specially selected wettest location within the British Isles in order that we would enjoy the week just that little bit more. Um, And this camp uh, under canvas um, was generally great fun. However, uh, every morning after breakfast uh, had been finished, we had about an hour to get ourselves ready for the dreaded part of the day, patrol inspection. Our leaders um, would come round to each patrol and they would check that every tent was reefed correctly, that our sleeping bags were all rolled identically, would you believe, that our pots and pans were spotless and that our hands were marginally less grubby than they were at the rest of the time. Woe betide any patrol that wasn't up to scratch who hadn't done all they'd been instructed to do. These were perhaps the moments in the Scouts when the movement's motto came most into play. Be prepared. Be prepared is the instruction of the prophet Isaiah in this morning's reading to the people of Israel. The voice of the Lord spoken to Isaiah for him to relay to God's people says this. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel at the time when they were exiled in Babylon. They were a defeated nation. They were far away from their home. um, And their temple, the place where they met with God, had been uh, destroyed by the Babylonians. Their situation seems devoid of hope. And yet God's words to Israel expressed in this prophecy of Isaiah start with gentleness, and they start with healing. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The message of Isaiah starts with reassurance that the Lord hasn't forgotten his people, that they are beloved, and that they, all that they have endured in defeat and in exile and in enslavement will come to an end. They are, as he goes on to say in verse 11, like flocks tended by their divine shepherd, gathered into God's bosom and held next to his heart. But then Isaiah moves on from this uh, wonderful reassurance. His message, if you like, changes gear a bit. Yes, Israel is beloved and it will be restored, but its people need to respond to Isaiah's words. They need to respond because, as Isaiah alerts them, the Lord 
is coming. The people of Israel in the time of Isaiah were waiting for their Messiah, for a liberator to free them from this exile in Babylon, to restore them to their promised land and to the rule of the successors of King David. But although the Israelites were indeed allowed to go back to their, to their lands at the end of the 6th century BC, their return didn't bring them the renewal that they had longed for. Over 500 years later, they still waited for the one who would deliver them. Only by then, they sought freedom from the might of the occupying legions of the Roman Empire. They still waited for their saviour. They still waited for their Messiah. They expected this Messiah to look like a king. And in fact, Isaiah's words in many ways reinforce this. Um, Since what he tells them to do, how he tells them to prepare, is exactly what would normally happen in the ancient world before the arrival of a king or an emperor or a particularly important dignitary to a region. The inhabitants were to clear the road of, uh, of any stones that were lying there, to fill in the potholes, Um, in order to ease the the progress of the king through the region, in order to to make sure um, his carriage, or maybe in some cases her carriage, um, or his horse or her horse, um, didn't have its uh, passage impeded, in order to make straight his highway or her highway. But we know from the witness of the New Testament that the king who came to the people of Israel and indeed who came to the whole of humanity was not a king in this way. We know from the Gospels that the one who came to fulfill Isaiah's prophecies, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ as Messiah translates uh, into the Greek language of the New Testament, This Jesus was a king who came not in a splendid chariot drawn by beautiful horses. He came very differently as a tiny baby born in a stable to a young mother and a slightly older father. He came not surrounded by finery, but surrounded by farm animals. He was not attended by courtiers, but by shepherds. God's plan for the universe is not fulfilled in the form of a conventional king, but in Jesus, the king of kings, who's also, as Isaiah tells us earlier, the prince of peace. Jesus, prince of peace, through whose loving sacrifice on the cross we're all able to be reconciled with our heavenly father, despite whatever we may have done in our lives. But if this king, Jesus, looks so different from a conventional king, then how are we to prepare for him? This season of Advent leading up to the joy of Christmas is traditionally, of course, a time of waiting, a time of reflection, a time of watching, a time of preparation. 
with the coming of the king in the person of Jesus, Isaiah's encouragement to his listeners to prepare becomes, if you like, metaphorical for us. There's no literal road in the wilderness to be made smoother, but for the arrival of the king of kings, we still need to prepare. God's son uh, has come once to this earth to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah and of so many other prophets. In his time amongst humanity, um, Jesus made clear through all of his teaching, through many of his teachings, that after his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his reuniting with his heavenly father on his ascension, that he would return to earth once again to draw all things to him. The full realisation of the kingdom of God for which we pray every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Every time we say, thy kingdom come. I don't want to uh, sound overly dramatic about it. Um, if you're um, maybe a bit concerned that I'm um, going to, uh, to preach uh, all about the last days from now on. Um, but I do believe that it's uh, absolutely right for each one of us to consider what it means in our context here in West Bridgeford today. What it means to prepare for the Messiah's coming. What it means to prepare for the coming of Jesus, of which Isaiah spoke. I believe that there are two areas in particular that we need to consider. Preparing ourselves and helping others to be prepared as well. First, preparing ourselves. God's message to all in the person of Jesus Christ is above all a message of love. We read in chapter 8 of St. Paul's letter to the Romans that for all those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, but that we've all been set free from the law of sin and of death. But this, of course, doesn't mean it's okay to do whatever we please. Freedom in and freedom through the person of Jesus means that in response to his infinite love for us, we want above all to be right with him. It means confessing and saying sorry for all that we've done wrong. It means preparing our hearts and our minds and our bodies for his sake. And this, of course, is what we do every time we come together as God's family to share communion. As we'll do uh, very shortly. And um, I'm going to um, expand the liturgy a bit this morning um, from what we normally say at a 10.30 communion to include some of what we normally say, what we always say, in fact, at uh, a 9 o'clock communion to include the prayers of preparation and the prayers of confession so that we are preparing ourselves within that time specifically, explicitly before God. 
We're preparing ourselves to be ready uh, for him to work in and through each one of us, to bring his kingdom into the lives of those whom we encounter every day as we go about our lives. And that brings me on to the second key area, the second key area of preparation. As followers of Jesus, if we truly believe his teachings and if we truly believe in his power through the work of the Holy Spirit to transform lives, to transform families, to transform communities, to transform societies, then we should be passionate about helping other people prepare themselves before Jesus too. To me, this preparation takes two forms. Firstly, it's doing uh, what Isaiah uh, is himself doing here in the Old Testament and what we see the person of John the Baptist um, at the start of all four Gospels uh, in the New Testament, what we see him doing, taking up what Isaiah declares by straightening the path along which Jesus will shortly follow. What John does is um, best described, I think, as being prophetic. It seems um, that prophecy uh, these days is, is, is often thought of as being, um, if you like, some sort of futurology or, or even something like soothsaying. But it's not. It absolutely isn't that. Prophecy is being commissioned by God to be his agent. It's speaking as his intermediary to humanity, maybe to individuals, maybe to groups of people, maybe to societies as a whole. Sometimes it's true um, that prophecy is speaking into a future situation. But primarily, prophecy, I think, Uh, speaks with a message to the time in which um, the prophet, in which he or she is living and expressing that prophecy to those around them. Isaiah is speaking, yes, into the future, but he's speaking to the people of Israel in his day. John, as he uh, acted prophetically, was leading the way to Jesus, but he was acting amongst the Israelites of his community, the people of Israel who came to him to be baptized, to respond to his prophetic word and his prophetic action in that place and in that time. That's what prophecy looks like. If we, as Christians, are to prepare um, for an encounter with Jesus um, Uh, for those whom we know and if we're prepared to prepare our communities and our society as a whole for that encounter with Jesus then we must be prepared to be prophetic voices into these places we must be prepared to speak out against the injustices and the iniquities of our own society and those in communities and countries in other parts of the world where we see um, these injustices happening as well. 
We must be prepared to speak out against slavery and human trafficking. We must be prepared to speak out against poverty and homelessness, against the treatment of the voiceless and the marginalised, against corporate greed and environmental destruction. This sort of prophetic witness is a central part of what it means to prepare Christ's way amongst others, amongst our society. And the second element of helping others prepare themselves before Jesus is to be that very person of Jesus himself to them. To witness in our lives through our words, through our actions, the love and the compassion and the grace of Jesus Christ that those whom we meet may see him in us that they may want something of that that they may be intrigued that they may be called to explore that more and that through the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts they too will in turn become passionate about preparing themselves for the coming of Jesus' kingdom this is the being disciples who make disciples that we've talked about so much uh, this term in our sermons, in our home group series. This is prophetic acting. This is preparing others for Jesus, preparing our society for Jesus, preparing the hearts and the minds of those we know and those we love, our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, our family members. It's preparing the way for Jesus in their lives. So, as we come together shortly to share together in the Lord's Supper, the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he died, let's take a moment to reflect on being prepared preparing ourselves and preparing others for his coming. Let's just take a moment of silence now. I'll bring to a close what I have to say with a declaration from the Church of England's Advent Liturgy. Our Lord says, I am coming soon. May the Lord, when he comes, find us watching and waiting. My prayer, too, is that he will find us prepared as well. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to respond to that now with a time of worship. Um, We're going to um, have a bit of traditional and a bit of modern.